0: Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. This is your host, Mitchell Crossan, and we are going to recap week eight of the 2022 college football season. Let's start off with Syracuse at Clemson. Clemson with the late come-from-behind win over Syracuse, 27-21 Tigers. Look, clearly there are still problems with the quarterback play for Clemson. DJ was benched for freshman Cade Klubnick, and I think Syracuse was up like 21 to 10 or something like that at halftime and Clemson credit to them shut them out in the second half but also scored 17 points in the fourth to put this thing away but the quarterback play is a problem and we saw this last year with DJ who was statistically one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference the ACC in that in that conference isn't always known for their quarterback play now Cade Klubnick is talented. He came in, you know, people were saying he, they, he gave them a spark, whatever. He didn't have great numbers. But this is a problem for Clemson. And this feels like a Clemson team. They're currently ranked fifth in the AP poll. We'll see what they're ranked this week once the AP poll rankings come out, when they're updated. But I think Clemson could run the table and finish 13-0 as the ACC champ and make their way into the playoff. But then I think they'll be exposed because we've seen them slip up or nearly slip up enough times this season and they're having these weird games against opponents that I don't think are that good I mean Syracuse has had a great start to the year but I'm expecting them to drop a couple more games NC State I was never that high on Wake Forest is different Wake Forest does have an offense that can move the ball on a lot of people so I think that's actually a pretty good win for Clemson but man I don't know Dabo said that there's no quarterback controversy whatever it feels like they are and that they have adjusted the offense to fit DJ's needs and the throws that he can make it just feels like Clemson is kind of a fraud so far this year okay so since I'm thinking about it let's go ahead and talk about Iowa at Ohio State what a weird game so if you didn't watch the game and if you only saw the final score Ohio State 54 Iowa 10 so initially you may think to yourself what a great day for the Ohio State offense and I found this stat that says 54 points are the most of any Iowa team has surrendered since 1995. It's also the most points Iowa has given up under head coach Kirk Ferentz. So, of course, that's bad for Iowa, right? And they're a team that's known for their defensive ability. You know, they're usually ranked in the top 10, top 5 defensively, etc. On the flip side, their offense is dreadful. It is awful. Kirk Ferentz has hired his son, Brian Ferentz, to be the offensive coordinator who, frankly, was not right for the position, didn't really earn the position. And Iowa's offense, not kidding, was the worst in the country statistically coming into Columbus this past weekend. And what did that offense do? Literally nothing, and they turned the ball over six times. Since the Ohio State defense was giving the ball back to their offense so many times, Ohio State was starting on the plus side of the field for almost every drive in the first half. And credit to Iowa's defense, they held Ohio State to, I think, four first-half field goals. And then in the second half, really about halfway through the third quarter, Ohio State's offense, passing attack, caught fire. CJ had a point in time where he was completing like 80% of his passes for 180 yards and four touchdowns. So he turned it on later on. People will say he was stat padding. It's like, well, no, I mean – Ryan Day just wanted to get his his offense in a rhythm because they were in no rhythm whatsoever. And Ohio State goes to Penn State next week, so you don't want to leave on a sour note. Even though you're going to win, you're going to win by 2030. You want to get your offense in a rhythm coming off the bye week and going into Penn State next week. So if you're Iowa or if you're an Iowa fan, you got to switch something up, right? Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, he's got to go. Kirk Ferentz, head coach, he's probably got to go as well. I don't know what it is. I got to dive into this and look into this further. It feels like, I don't know, Iowa feel like they owe something to Kirk. And then, you know, Kirk hired his son as the offensive coordinator. So the whole thing is a complete mess. But Iowa fans, I, I just, I'm speechless. And I can't believe that you guys have to go through this. On the flip side for the Buckeyes, while the run game was pretty bad and the offensive line didn't look great, CJ didn't look great at times, your defense looked good, but of course, it's like, okay, considering you're playing against the worst offense in the country, fine. But more so on the offense, you did get it moving. You did get the ball thrown around a little bit in the second half, and you can't really complain too much about a 54-10 to victory. But CJ, man, CJ Stroud has had points almost in every game recently where he makes a really bad throw or tries to force a ball into a really tight window, and I think to myself, what the heck is he doing? I mean, we know he can make every throw in the field and he's a very smart player, has a great arm and great accuracy, but he's forcing some of these throws into a window that's not even there. And it's not just a bad throw. I, I see the throw and it's like triple coverage when he had his interception on the very first play of the second half against Iowa. And I was thinking to myself, like, what did he see? So, okay, the linebacker dropped back into coverage, but even then, if he didn't drop back into coverage, that's still a ball thrown into a super tight window in double coverage. I think he did just enough in the second half to keep him firmly in the Heisman conversation. I thought he was working his way out of the Heisman conversation almost completely based off of that first half performance, but he did do enough later on in the game to keep him in that race. But you look at Tennessee, look at Hendon Hooker, are they going to go undefeated in the regular season? Are they going to beat Georgia? I don't know all about all of that yet. But he did have his quote-unquote Heisman moment against Alabama. He's putting up pretty good numbers. CJ has better numbers right now. But it feels like the race is coming down to those two as of now, and that can change. But I think CJ did just enough at the end of the game to keep him moving forward with his Heisman campaign. Let's go ahead and move forward with some rapid fire. Tennessee with not much of a hangover game. Defeating UT Martin, 65-24. The offense is still moving along just fine. Alabama defeats Mississippi State, 30-6. LSU hands Ole Miss their first loss of the year, 45-20. TCU, 38. Kansas State, 28. And Oregon also hands UCLA their first loss of the year. Oregon winning, 45-30. Oklahoma State, 41. Texas, 34 This was an interesting game because I think people saw this coming, Oklahoma State coming off of a loss, a loss to TCU. And I think people felt like this was a pretty solid Oklahoma State team. They weren't going to go undefeated. And as for Texas, they've looked good with Quinn Ewers, but clearly they're still rebuilding. And look, they they put up 34, and that's okay, but Texas still has a way to go. Let's touch on two more here. Let's check on the Aggies of Texas A&M. They lose, they drop another game to South Carolina, South Carolina 30, AM 24. I don't need to spend too much time talking about Texas a and I've already shared how I feel about Jimbo Fisher and that program, especially this year. Look, you owe him, if you're A&M, you owe your head coach a billion dollars. In all seriousness, if they fire him and buy out his contract by January 1st, 2023, or on January 1st, that's $90 million. Now, if anybody can do it, it would be a and But you hire him because he's going to not only compete with Bama, beat Alabama, and win SEC championships, national championships. Well, he's beaten Bama last year. He's competed with Alabama this year. Yet, they're losing a ton of games, and they look like trash. So, I want no part in whatever's going on in Texas A&M. Last team here, Miami loses to Duke, 45-21. Also a program that had high expectations and they are performing below under expectations. First year head coach, Mario Cristobal. It wasn't going to be easy, but I think people are upset with the current status of the program and thought that Mario, he that he wasn't going to fix every problem right away. And it definitely is a sense of a rebuilding year when you're starting at a brand new program. Remember, he did come from Oregon last year. But everybody has a win-now mentality. And I'm not going to say he's going to be fired after one year. I mean, we still have to see what happens with the rest of the regular season. But people are fed up. And you're seeing this at programs like Texas, Texas A&M, and Miami. Now, out of those three, it feels like Texas is probably in the best spot right now with recruiting, with players that they have. And, you know, they've had some injuries this year what are they beaten Bama if the if Quinn yours didn't have her, didn't get hurt? Yeah, probably. Different conversations, but you see these programs that just want to win now, and that's what everybody wants to do, and that's why you see such a short shelf life on coaches. I don't think you should fire a coach after one season. Um, I think generally you'd give a coach minimum two, but they that may not always happen, especially in college football. That'll do it for this week's episode of SE. You can follow us on our social medias at Silent Exposure on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, at Silent Expose on Twitter. Thanks for listening, as always, and go Bucks.